Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this special domestic edition of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn about different travel destinations. This is where we come as a community in order to discuss more. Hopefully, this will inspire you to travel more and ultimately to enjoy life more. Now, you can reach us at a variety of different social media platforms, starting, of course, with my website at theprofessortravel.com. You can now reach me on YouTube, Facebook, and on TikTok at theprofessortravel. If you're an Instagrammer, you can find me there at the underscore professor underscore travel. If you're a Twitterer, you can find me on Twitter at theprofessortr1. And then finally, if you are a blogger, you can find me on Blogspot at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I am welcoming back two of our returning visiting professors, Chris <laughs> and Laura Barnett. How are you both doing today? We're good. Doing great. How about How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Happy Saturday to you. This is when we're interviewing. <laughs> yep. Now, for before we get started, I have a wonderful picture posted in our PowerPoint in front of us. Now, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, you're just going to have to come over to the YouTube in order to see all this wonderful stuff. But for, for the benefit of my students who are listening, can you share with us a little bit about the background on this photo? So that is a picture of Laura and I on our honeymoon in 1992 on uh, Carnival Mardi Gras. Wow, that's amazing. Um, do you, now, do you have plans to go on to the new Mardi Gras in the relative future, the brand new one? We do. We, um, we're booked on um, the uh, Halloween cruise on October the 30th on the Mardi Gras. Wow, that's going to be a lot of fun. On we're the hoping celebration it fails. As well. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I think probably by, again, this is no guarantee and I don't work for the CDC or, <laughs> or anybody else, but my personal opinion is that I think we're going to probably start to see some travel resuming in August, September. So if it's by the end of October that you guys are uh, due to travel, I think yeah. that's probably going to be safer to be able to do it at that point. So again, yeah. we, we hope. Yes, I'm crossing my fingers for you too. <laughs> now, and we're also booked on the uh, the Mardi Gras for the 50th birthday celebration, the Celebration Cruise. Can you tell so, me more, more about that? So, Carnival turns 50 in um, 2022. Oh, wow. So okay. They, the Carnival's first ship was the Mardi Gras in 1972, and we were on it in 92 for our you know, honeymoon. And then 2022 is, you know, they, they kick off the, the celebration of the 50 years with the, the celebration cruise. So the Mardi Gras and most of the other ships are all going to do a big meetup at sea. And um, so it'll be, you know, some, some throwback, you know, parties and, um, 
you know, photo ops with all the ships, you know, next to each other just to be party. And then they'll end the the 50 year celebration with the inaugural celebration cruise coming out. And um, we're also booked on that cruise. Excellent. Well, I'm going to have to get more information as you guys do all of your wonderful excursions. And speaking of that, for the benefit of my students who haven't heard your previous uh, vlog or podcast, which again, has not yet been released at the time of recording right now, but they will see it first (laughs) in the relative (laughs) future. Um, Can you maybe share with us a little bit about your background, either some of your educational background or maybe a couple of places that you have traveled before? Well, um, I've been doing IT work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm self-taught. I, I, you know, um, actually, I did get a, a nursing degree, um, but I did that for three years, and um, so I went into computers. And you know, I'm, I'm pretty much self-taught, but I've been doing that now for you know, thirty-something um, years, and um, or about thirty years, and. Um, we have been to um, quite a few places. You know, we've been to Paris, you know, London, Edinburgh, you know, been to Mexico a bunch of times, as you could tell this last year. And, um, you know, we've been, I've been on 11 cruises and Lars been on 10. Oh, wow. I got one, one over. <laughs> I went, he went with on my one, mom. Yeah, he went on one with his mom. Aw. <laughs> I thought he just wanted to try it out first before he brought you along, Laura. That was what it no. was. He just wanted to make sure it was safe. You know, just he making kept, sure it's safe. That's important. He kept his mom and his sister always going on these uh, mother-daughter trips. And he's like, well, when are we going to go on a mother-son trip? Like, well, where do you want to go? And he was like, well, whatever. And he's, she's like, where do you want to go? He's like, a cruise. So the two of them went on a cruise. <laughs> and Laura, a little bit about your background as well. Um, well, um, we're, we're both originally from Mississippi and, um, I went to, um, to school in, uh, at Jackson Academy, okay. uh, from the time I was in kindergarten all the way through graduation and, um, went to Bellhaven college at, at the time it was Bellhaven college. Now it's known as Bellhaven university, okay. uh, and got a degree in elementary education and have been, um, teaching elementary since, um, 1990 for the, for the most part, uh, taught every grade kindergarten through high school except for six that's the only grade I've never taught full-time and um, currently I am uh, working at a community college with adults who need to improve their reading skills in order to take the GED wonderful well that's great that's great work I appreciate that thank you so much for introducing yourselves and as you had alluded to today's topic is going to be on the great state of Mississippi where you guys both originally had come from so I really don't know that much about the history of Mississippi, but I I know you guys have a little bit, you're a little bit more steeped in it than I am. And so I wanted to have a a conversation and an opportunity to share this. But before we even get into that, I know, Chris, you had a little bit of a story about a historical figure from Mississippi, uh, Medgar Evers, and something that had happened to you personally. Can you share that with the students? Um, sure. So, you know, I, I was born in, you know, um, the early 60s. And um, so I've, I've seen, you know, quite a few things, you know, over the years. And, you know, the first, you know, 25 or so years of my life, you know, half or maybe more than half was, you know, in, in Mississippi. And, um, 
you know, so I, I, I remember, well, well, uh, I'll, um, I'll start with Mega Average first. So um, I, as an adult, I was going back to, um, to night school and we were taking business law. And so one of the bonus points that we could get for the course is to attend, you know, some court proceedings, you know, to, to watch how, lo- how the law works. And so um, the uh, um, trial for the murder of Medgar Evers, um, Byron De La Beckwith, um, was just happening. It was the big news, you know, all around, you know, uh, Mississippi that um, finally, after all these years, um, you know, he was being brought back to, um, you know, to face, you know, justice. And so I got to sit in on two days of the uh, court proceedings. And, you know, that was interesting in and of itself because, you know, almost all the witnesses or actually all the witnesses were dead. So they were transcripts that, you know, that they would read. And, you know, it's almost like Perry Mason, you know, moment in, in the courtroom. But um, I sat on the third row about six feet away from Byron De La Beckwith. And, uh, you know, a few times when he would turn around and, and look in the courtroom, you know, it's just, you could just see the evil in his eyes. I mean, you know, when somebody's bad, you know, and, you know, so I, you know, that was just interesting. But um, the second day that I, I attended the trial, um, they had, you know, wrapped up the, uh, you know, the arguments and, the, you know, they were closing you know, court for the day, and I got an opportunity to introduce myself and meet um, Merle Evers, and you know um, that was that was really neat. And if you um, remember the movie Mississippi Burning, mm-hmm. that was that was about Medgar Evers and all of the stuff that was going on, and you know with. The, the trial I think was touched on in the movie and and stuff and you know, it was just interesting to to be a part of that um, but to go back to another thing I wanted to tell you as far as what I've seen and and you know where we were and where we you know where we've come today is you know as a little boy you know seven years old um, I remember seeing the um, the buses for the, you know, segregated schools back in the day. And the buses had, you know, big, bold letters, separate but equal. And I just remember that sticking out to me, like, what does that mean even, you know, why do, why do we have separate schools? And um, our, um, our doctor's office where, you know, where we go for, you know, it was dentist and the doctor and like, you know, if, if, if neither one of them could cover it, you, you didn't need a doctor, you know, <laughs> but you know, it was the, the doctor's clinic, whatever. Um, they had separate waiting rooms. They had separate water fountains and, you know, <laughs> By the, you know, at the time I'm seven years old, we're talking about the late 60s, you know, early 70s, you know, will be the late 60s, um, that they still had separate waiting rooms for colored folks and for, you know, everybody else. 
Yeah. And you know, I can I can remember when I saw that, you know, I'm like, I went over and sat in the and waited in the color folks waiting room because I didn't feel it was right for them to have to sit over there by themselves. Mm. Yeah. So um it's it's just interesting. It it's personal to me, you know, I've I've seen you know, things that shouldn't be, and I think we've come a long way, you know, even even in today's times with all the problems we've had, they're so much better than they were. Yeah, I would say it's, Mississippi is one of those interesting states with such a complicated history. And I think we have to look at it from a unique lens and understanding, you know, at one point it was a very difficult series of situations that were going on there and it has improved in fact i think uh the african-american population specifically in mississippi has significantly grown in the last several years as as i think uh, some of the latino population has as well too um so in terms of the history of the state what can you share with me about uh and and share with our share with my students as well about the history of the area in general well, I mean, I know it, it was involved big time, you know, in, in civil rights, and there was a lot that, that went on there. Um, I'm, I'm not as up on, on history as I should be. That's okay. Um, but, um, you know, I know things have, have improved, but things still have, you know, a ways to go. Um, well, yeah, Mississippi was, you know, was a, a huge farming, you know, community and, you know, growing, you know, um, cotton and, and stuff, soy, cotton and soybean and corn and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people tend to think more racist problems when they hear Mississippi, but really, you know, they're just common folk, just, you know, family folk, and, um, you know, just so far, I guess, removed from really what's going on everywhere else in, in the world, just because um, it's just so country. You know, just, you know, we don't yeah. have large population areas, you know, to, so we, you know, uh, 30 years ago, we were, you know, like six months behind when a movie would come out before we get to see it, you know, stuff like that. You know, so just, just common folk really is, is all I can, you know, uh, I don't know. No, actually you make a really good point because it encapsulates an area that's almost like frozen in time to certain, to certain extent. And that's not necessarily a, it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just something, it's a characteristic to note because if you're going to this area to visit, it does give you some awareness of, Oh, I can take a look back six months, for example, and see what was going on or, or the way in which things were learned. It is primarily because it is so far removed. There, there aren't these sprawling metropolis right. uh, like, like a Los Angeles or Miami or places like that. I think the closest one, it really, and I mean, yeah, you have Shreveport and you have, um, you know, places that are relatively close, but like I, I was making mention to you one time, I went to go visit Biloxi 
on a little gambling trip and really not a very super huge town, but that's probably one of the more populated areas yeah. that is in Mississippi because it is primarily a farming and rural community. Yeah. So it does make sense. That's why it's developed that way. Um, but I think uh, in terms of history, you know, we, there was a native American population that was out there. Um, do you yeah. remember the name of the tribe that was uh uh, predominant in the area there? I, I think you had mentioned it earlier. Yeah, so so the Choctaw Indians have you know have a you know huge presence, but um also the you know the Cherokee, you know, Choctaw and Cherokee have a presence. Um and then it's the Chippewa yeah. Indians. Um the name Mississippi was given yeah. to the uh to the Mississippi River by the Chippewa Indians and their language Mississippi means large river okay which makes sense considering the size of that thing yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so when we think about mississippi um where my mind goes is usually around just a little after 1803 with the louisiana purchase and when um we were starting to get states that were in the area do we do you guys maybe have any idea when mississippi became a state or around when it became a state i gotta imagine it was relatively yeah early. i had that I don't, I don't know. Because I know one of the colleges that was founded there was in 1822. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> we're both trying to... <laughs> <laughs> quickly Google. <laughs> this is like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to spring this on you. I apologize. Uh, no, that's okay. We should have... Uh, we should have looked this up. Uh, December 10th, 1817. That makes sense. That makes sense then. Okay. So it became a state in 1817. And I think one of its first colleges, as we may mention, in fact, I think one that Laura, you're familiar with, um, had started, had founded itself in 1822. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. I went to, I got my um, graduate degrees at Mississippi College. Fantastic. Excellent. I'm, then, I'm ashamed I didn't know the 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 date that Mississippi was started because I took so many Mississippi history classes because it was I think we had like three classes that were required you know in, in the first, second, and third grade, you know, for Mississippi history. But and I think one of the re- I think one of the reasons that you know, when we think about a state like Mississippi as being so complicated is because you think about the involvement of the Ku Klux Klan and, and, or, and, or, um, uh, you know, various different challenges that have been as part of the civil rights movements. As we that, that kind of stands history. out in Mississippi history, some yeah. of its negative history. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's why I say it's complicated, but I mean, like, especially like during the 1920s when the Klan was at its height and stuff like that. So, I mean, you have those things that are going on, but like, as you may mention, Again, just because there aren't those huge rural or urban metropolis, because there aren't those things, uh, that does create a little bit of a complexity of of knowing this. But there are cities. There are some cities that are that are there and, and that are sizable. Um, let's talk a little bit about where the state is exactly located, especially for the international viewers who may not understand where Mississippi is within proximity of other states. So can you tell me what states might surround the area of Mississippi? Sure. So if you if you're looking at the um, if you look at a map, you have um, the Gulf of Mexico 
is on the bottom of, of Mississippi, and then you have Alabama to the right, um, all the way up to um, Tennessee um, on the uh, top right. Or actually, no, Tennessee doesn't touch. Yes, it does cross the top. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's cross the top, Alabama all the way up to Tennessee, and then you have uh, Arkansas on the top left, and then you have a little bit of Louisiana on the bottom left. <laughs> so wonderful. And as we talk about, if I was going to be a tourist visiting the area, there are some extreme climate conditions I'd want to be aware of. One of the things I was talking about that trip I made to Biloxi a few years ago, and that was just I would say probably a little over a year after Hurricane Katrina had hit the Gulf Coast area, especially Louisiana. And as part of that, I I remember very vividly going over some of the hillsides and it looked like a nuclear bomb had hit and all of the trees for miles had just been knocked down. So, I mean, the things I think about in terms of extreme weather that sometimes hit the area there, obviously we, once in a while you'll hit a hurricane or you have tornadoes that will sometimes come up, but, but for the most part, those are relatively rare. They're not like regular occurrence, like weekly or daily, even daily occurrences. Yeah. Right. Like when you think about uh, the, the weather within the area, you have your typical four seasons. Um, although I, I would imagine winter is not as cold or as prominent because it's such a southern area. Well, Mississippi really has, um, so we have not so hot and then we have hot and then we have really hot and then we have, you know, one day of, you know, fall, and then, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm being funny. <laughs> He's exaggerating a little bit. We might have three days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, that makes it all much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a few, few days of fall and a few days of spring, and then it's, you know, it's, it's basically summer, and, um, you know, then we get... A little bit of the, winter. A little bit of winter. <laughs> you know, fall is my favorite time because it's, you know, cool or whatever, and and but it never lasts very long. We That's what I'm saying, but if you only get three days of it, you're going to have to yeah. travel somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll go up north a little bit, and maybe I'll get something from up there. Yeah, we or get, gives we you an opportunity. What they call Indian summer. So, you know, you have summer, and then... Then you get those cooling, you know, afternoons, and some sometimes around the you know the first of October, you know, you get a little fall brisk coolness in the air, and then we get you know Indian summer, it it gets warm again. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the culture in the area. Now I've noticed that uh, when I was doing research, at least with the re- predominant religion of the area, I think it's—I mean, it's definitely Christianity, and it seems like it's a variety of different Christianity uh, yeah. subsets, including Southern yeah. Baptist as being one of the biggest ones down there. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Mississippi is—I um, think there are more Mississippians that go to church than in any other state. Yeah, well, I was reading that, and it said. Uh, there are also more churches in Mississippi per capita than in any other state in the country. All right, cool. And the nation's largest Bible binding plant is located in Greenwood, Mississippi, close to where he grew up. Okay, then. <laughs> 
Now, in terms of art, and when I think of art, I think of uh, whether it's um, physical artists, whether it's musicians, whether it's actors or celebrities, uh, you have quite a few, surprisingly quite a few that come out of Mississippi. The ones I have just on the screen here, Britney Spears, James Earl Jones, Jim Henson, Elvis Presley, B.B. King. Those are just a sampling. But of course, you, you've mentioned to me prior to this, Morgan Freeman started uh-huh. there, Oprah Winfrey as well. I mean, there's just William, some- William Faulkner. Eudora Welty, John Grisham, uh, Gary Clower, and uh, Jerry Rice, a football player, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, Greg Isles is an author from there. He writes a lot about matches. Excellent. That's just, it's so I'm I'm always amazed at how many celebrities can come out of a specific area, especially when we're talking in this particular case of a more rural community or more rural state. You know, it just, yeah. I'm really surprised by of course, that. Now, we've caught up, you know, the, the, you know, the last 50 years, Mississippi is caught up now. So it's, you know, you'd be hard, to, hard pressed to tell you're in Mississippi now, you know, unless you look at the, you know, at the trees. But, you know, if you drop somebody in the middle of, you know, Jackson or Gulfport or, or somewhere like that, you know, you, you know, other than the accent, you You'd be hard pressed to tell where you are. Well, I'm sure it's not exactly Las Vegas. So (laughs) (laughs) that's true. Um, The modification of America, though, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Let's also quickly talk about language. Again, primarily English is spoken there, but there's a distinctive drawl. Um, that oh, comes yeah. <laughs> out of there. Um, now, I wasn't sure because I know with Louisiana, for example, there is a French influence there. I wasn't sure if there was anything like that in Mississippi at all. Are you aware of anything uh, or as, as far as any alternative languages to English that might be spoken within the state? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I remember, you know, we had a, a lot of. Um, we had several Vietnamese communities that um, that sprung up after you know the Vietnam War. Um, so I think uh, I think they were welcome you know to come to Mississippi, and so you know we had a neat little um, you know I don't know Vietnam town you know, like community like, yeah yeah but so that was interesting um, but yeah I don't. I don't really, um, I'm not just well-versed in, in all the different languages. Uh, I'm not familiar with many anyway. That's fine. And then I imagine on some of the Native American locations, there are probably uh, Native tongues as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bunch of small Indian tribes, definitely, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's get into talking about my favorite subject, which is diet and food. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I have a couple of pictures on the screen here of a couple of major dishes that come out of the South and specifically out of Mississippi. Uh, the first one is Mississippi mud pie, which looks amazing. And as we get closer to my lunchtime, I'm going to definitely consider you know what I'm going to have to eat. But then also soul food. Uh, there's a lot of soul food that comes from down there, some really good barbecue. Um, what are some things that really strike to you in terms of Mississippi, like distinctively? Like, what are some things that you like out of there? Fried catfish. Yeah. Fried catfish. Mm-hmm. Fried catfish, chicken, fried chicken. Um, 
turns we, well, into cornbread. In, in the South, we like everything fried. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, in fact, Laura, you were saying there was a place that you guys liked uh, that was uh, relatively famous or ha- that you were aware of it, that you'd like to go to that had a lot of different things there. Southern what are you talking about? The Cocky Walk? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, they have they their main thing that they have is fried catfish. Mm. I mean, you can't go expecting to you know order a steak or a burger or anything like that. You're going to get catfish. <laughs> yeah. Now, now whether you have anything with it like turnip greens and um, coleslaw and um, cornbread and all that, I mean, that it, basically the only decision you have to make is how many orders of catfish. Are you going to order for the table? Um, and then they're going to bring, and they, they flip the cornbread um, at the table, which is kind of cool. Cause like a lot of times they'll flip it behind them and, um, <laughs> and, and catch it, you know? And so, yeah, it, it's, it's a really cool place. And they have, um, they, you get your water or your tea or whatever you get to drink in a, um, in a tin cup. Mm. And they have, and they serve everything on tin plates, and um, it's like wooden picnic tables that you're there, and you're overlooking the the reservoir. So yeah, it's one of our our favorite places in Mississippi. We hadn't yeah. been in a while. You were talking to me also about pickle chips, like fried pickle chips, fried pickles, fried pickles. Yep, I, I've never had that before. Oh, you need to have. Oh them. yeah, it's good. Just get you some dill pickles and batter them up. And uh, prom. And dip them mm. in ranch. Oh, yeah. Dip them in ranch? That's the key? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can eat them by themselves. They're, they're good by themselves, too. Yeah. The, the, the pickle chips, you know, the slices like what you put on a hamburger, not the, you know, not the whole pickle. Mm. Got it. But, yeah, they're, they're good. And, um, it, you know, if you go to uh, M- Mississippi is known for, you know, their cuisine, you know, the old town uh, soul food, I guess, like you say, you know, if you can find a, you know, a good mom and pop restaurant, you know, you're going to have, um, you know, fried pork chops, fried chicken, um, butter beans, black eyed peas, you know, corn on the cob, um, uh-huh. you know, uh, Potato salad. Potato salad. Baked beans. <laughs> yeah, baked beans. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to turn it greens, turnip collard green. greens. Yeah. You're going to really make me hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that, good, you know, good food. I mean, that's that's what I remember most about the food in Mississippi. Now, of course, we we do have a lot of fancy, you know, places and, you know, it's the catfish and this and that. But that's that's what I think of when I want to eat home food. One of my favorite meals that my mom would do is when she would go to the um, farmer's market in the summer and get a whole bunch of fresh vegetables and we would have a vegetable dinner, you know, like he was talking about with the, the turnip greens and the, the um, lima beans and the black eyed peas and the fresh tomatoes and just the, purple and the, whole cor- peas. the corn on the cob and you know, all that just have just tons of fresh vegetables. Wow. That's amazing. And then in terms of sports and recreation in your state, obviously um, I don't think there are any major sports teams out of Mississippi directly, not as far as major league teams, but it's a college teams though. That's where they shine because you have (laughs) old old Mississippi, um, you know, 
Ole Miss is a big one. Uh, what's the other major college team that you would say this are? Mississippi State. Yeah. Mississippi State. And, and University of Southern Mississippi, the, the Golden Eagles. So we actually have three big college teams. Fantastic. Awesome. But Ole Miss and Mississippi State are, are big rivals. Fantastic. And then in terms of holidays, is there any state-specific holidays that you remember growing up with in Mississippi that you were aware of? Um. Yeah. No, not that we're aware of. I mean, we just had your your typical um, state holidays, you know, like Martin Luther King Day, and um, uh, yeah, not not anything that just really stands out, like you know Mardi Gras for Louisiana. Or yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Well, let's talk then about the population of your state. Now, you you know what the population of Mississippi was, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's about three million. Yeah, about three million. Okay. And as I look to this map that's on the screen right now, and again, for my viewers that are out there, you can go on to the YouTube channel in order to look us up at the Professor Travel. Um, there's a couple of major population centers that I'm noting here. Uh, what's the area along the southern coast that's here? All right. So from, um, from left to right, that's going to be um, the, the Gulfport, area and you know now i don't know all the little smaller you know smaller areas but the the first the first major part that you see is going to be guffport and then biloxi is going to be you know to the right of that but so much of that is is just kind of all you know one kind of big you know, never really leave you know civilization mm. you know because you know because it's the coast so you know it's a it's a major tourist you know spot so you know, you've got all your your typical stuff there so it's probably i think it's 120 something miles from you know coast to coast uh, or, or from border to border for that area so uh, probably 90 of it is you know populated okay and, what and, is and we need to teach your students how the correct way to say the the coastal city Biloxi. We have heard people mispronounce it Biloxi because it's <laughs> because it's spelled that way. And it's like no 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 no, 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 no. no, no. It's Biloxi. Biloxi. Yes, yeah. Biloxi. Biloxi. Got it. Yeah, Thank not you, Biloxi. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is this area here? It looks like a large population center. Is that the capital? Right, so that's going to be the Jackson, Mississippi area. That's Jackson. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit interesting to to do with Jackson. So so Jackson, Mississippi was designed by um, I don't remember all of my history, but one of the generals after um, uh, um, or not one of the generals. I'm mixing my stories up. When Jackson was planned, though, I have to go back. The the city was planned. It was it was a square city, and it was the um, exact center from east to west and north to south of the state. So if you, you know, if you were to take the the westernmost piece of the state and and the rightmost and the topmost and bottommost and draw a square map, even though the state doesn't fill it all in, Jackson's in the square middle. Okay, excellent. So I'll side <laughs> I'm just curious. There, there appears to be a little population center up in the top here. Do you happen to know what that might be by any chance? That is the 
I guess the suburbs of Memphis, that's South Haven area. Okay. South Haven, you know, all, all of that area, um, just below the um, the border to Tennessee, Tennessee. Where Memphis is, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Now, when I think about the economy, there are a lot of large um, companies, there are a lot of large nonprofits that are in the area. Uh, University of Mississippi Medical Center is probably one of the largest employers in the area, um, as well as the Nissan Corporation. Uh, very, very, very large manufacturing plant there. Um, and then yep. you have a couple of different uh, casinos, uh, such as, uh, is it Beau Rivage? Is that yes. how it's yep. pronounced? Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I got my French down. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Harris has got something out there. Uh, Tunica uh, Roadhouse, they've got a space out there as well. A um, couple of colleges, uh, like Miss, uh, as we said, uh, Mississippi State, um, uh, University of Miss, uh, Heinz uh, Community College, they appear to have a couple of uh, large centers there as well. Uh, the Tyson Chicken Plants, they have uh, several over in that area. And then, of course, the Mississippi Band, uh, the Chickasaw Indians, uh, they have uh, uh, the Native Americans that are there. They have a large presence as well, and they also do a, a significant employment. But you were mentioning something earlier about catfish and what and the prominence of that in your state as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So Mississippi is the catfish capital of the world. So I think um, it's 100,000 acres, 90 to 100,000 acres of um, uh, catfish pond for, you know, farm rate or, you know, farm raised catfish. Now, for those who don't, for those who don't know exactly what it means to be a farming community for catfish, because when you're thinking about a farm, I'm thinking about chickens and ducks or <laughs> or, or or crops or things like that. How do you like? What do you mean by a farm of catfish? How does how, how does that mean? So they they, they have a hundred thousand acres of catfish ponds, and so yeah. they have a whole bunch of catfish in these ponds. And Belzona, Mississippi, is considered the like he said the cap uh, cap. I can't talk. Catfish capital of the world. Um, and 94% of all farm-raised catfish in the United States are raised in Mississippi. So are these are these ponds like closed off from predators and things like that, do you know? Or like, are they protected? No, I mean, for the most part, they're, you know, I've, I've been to, you know, a couple of them. And um, I mean, they're... I mean, if you want to go swim in the lake, you could go, you know, jump. Well, unless they, unless they have, you know, the, their property fenced off. But, um, you know, a lot of times you can drive out there and they're just, you know, they're just ponds. They just grow fish. You know, they stock them with fish and, and keep them going. Now, now, some of them have a, a full enough production. And so it's like, a you know, you can't the public can't get to them, but okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the catfish ponds are just, they're just ponds. They just stop with a lot of catfish. And of course they're, they're, they're watched, you know, to make sure, you know, nobody's doing something nefarious. But. Yeah. I like poaching catfish or something a little right, crazy right. like that. That could be a little. Literally you probably could get away with it. I mean, it's, you know, Mississippi is, is, you know, not very populated around that area. So unless it was a big place, you could drive down to see a pond. And it's like, you know, let me, I'm going to go get me a fish. You know, but you could literally less than 15 minutes, cast your, you know, rod, catch a fish, you know, throw it in the car and go home and cook it and eat it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I'm serious. No, I, I believe you. <laughs> I, I can imagine how populated those ponds must be then. Um, let's talk really quick about travel and transportation. How are the roads in Mississippi? Like, are not they great. not great? Not that good? Okay. Yeah, they got lots of potholes. Uh, yeah, lot, lots of potholes. They um, part, part of the problem is red clay. So, you know, it's always settling and, you know, moving. And, yeah, it's very, very hard to um, to keep, you know, pavement in good shape. When, I think the workers are also have job security because they, yeah. they fix it like the day before it's going to rain. You know, you, you see them out there working on the potholes and filling them in. And then it rains and washes all that out. So then you still have a pothole. And so they, they kind of create their own little job security, I guess. I don't know. Because the, the roads are always bad. <laughs> yeah. Mississippi don't manage their roads well either. <laughs> their money management for the roads are um, nefariously awful. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what about as far as other transportation modes, like whether tr- it's trains or airports? How's, how's, are, there any, are there ever even any international airports down in that area if you want to travel outside well, the country? They do have, um, I don't know all the international airport destinations but you know there's they have an airport in jackson they have an airport in duffport um and you know they have several smaller regional airports that you know are not necessarily going to be by your big major airlines using them or anything but um that's that's really it they may have one in biloxi as well i'm not just real familiar with the airports um we do have um you know north south train and east west train that you know that does come through but most of it's just i took a train in the night you know in the the early 90s when i was uh first teaching uh, i went on a field trip the the small school i was teaching at the principal liked because it was so small and it was primarily seminary uh families because of the the seminary was local um and they knew the she knew these families wouldn't be able to afford to travel or whatever as much as maybe some other people. So she would um, try to do big field trips for the kids. And uh, one year she, she took the seventh and eighth graders to Canada and asked me to, um, to go on the field trip and chaperone. And so we took a train from uh, Jackson and we went to Chicago and then went on to uh, Canada. And so that was fun uh, riding the, the train from oh, Jackson. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, now, in terms of travel and tourism, I want to talk about that for just a second, because as I may mention, I've been to Biloxi, and in the time I spent there, I was really, I was really interested to know about how gambling was something that was, uh, was even able to be done there. And my friend shared with me, he's like, you know, gambling on the land itself is not okay, but at least at the time when we went. But it turns out that they have these almost, I, I don't know how to explain it other than saying kind of like a barge where they put this wooden planking on the water and then they build the casino on the wooden planking. So therefore it's technically on a little lake and not on the land. But, a prob- <laughs> but the problem was that with that was when Hurricane Katrina came in, it filled up the area with so much water, it actually pushed some of these barges onto the land. And so it was like, okay, well, they had to get special dispensation or something like that in order to be able to have the gambling available during that time. Like, so in terms of travel and tourism, what are some major tourist spots? What are some, like, are there any amusement parks in Mississippi that you're aware of? 
I can't think of it. The only um, uh, yeah. water park I remember is Rapids on the Reservoir that used yeah. to have some water rides. Um, and uh, so I can't think not of any really, amusement not really parks. Much. I can't think of an amusement park that Mississippi did have. Um, but, you know, we did have several things that drew tourists. Um, you know, obviously we had the, you know, the Gulf Coast and, and the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, and the um, gambling. <laughs> and the gambling. Um, uh, Elvis Presley's birthplace usually, you know, draws some uh, some attention in uh, in Tupelo, Mississippi. Yep. What about in terms of, I mean, being the catfish capital of the world, is there like a catfish festival or some kind of like big celebration where they'll do a lot of different things with catfish? There are, I don't know enough about it to, you know, to tell you, but yes, there, you know, um, it would be in Belzona. Um, I've never been to it, but we, we also, um, yeah, I'm just, just remembering, um, so you ever heard of the Shoba County Fair? I was just fixing to say, what's the name of that? <laughs> talk, talk to me about that. What's going on with that? So it was just, you know, one of the, uh, you know, of course, every county has a county fair, you know, or they used to. And the Shoba was always, um, had a had a, um, a lot of Indian um culture and um a lot of politicians made stops there um so it just became a you know a big big thing i think they had a um dog racing track i don't remember there you know I just remember se- several different things kind of political yeah you know, it just really kind of um became yeah, you know a, a pretty major deal you know, in the Neshoba County Fair was, you know, everybody was talking about it every year it came around. People go and hang out and visit, and, yeah. you know, there's, like, all these little cabins or whatever, yeah. and, and you just kind of hang out on the porch and drink sweet tea and talk and, you know, yeah. hang out. But it is hot. I've been one time, and it was hot, hot, hot. Yeah. But hotter than other places in Mississippi. I don't know. There never seemed to be a breeze that day. I mean, it was hot. <laughs> but um, you you can find just about anything there, though. And it was, you know, Neshoba County is kind of in the bottom left, you know, corner of the state. So it's close to Louisiana, New Orleans. So you know, you get you get a lot of the New Orleans people would come up to it, and you know, so it was a big cultural mix. Of, of things, so it was it, it, it was it was kind of like the big the big news from Mississippi, you know, there for a long. Another time. big thing is the Canton Flea Market. Yes. Um, uh, it usually lasts for like a couple of days, um, and I think it's in the fall. I don't remember if they have it twice a year or once a year, but I know they at least have it in the fall, like in October, because I remember um, helping um, a friend of mine that I'd worked with. She and her husband had a. Um, it was like a, a woodcraft business. Um, he would make all kind of different, you know, things like door hangers or just different woodcrafts. And she would do the painting of them and stuff and they would sell. And I remember helping her one time and we had to get there at like 430 in the morning to get everything set up. And um, there would be people that would come from Louisiana and from all over to come to the Canton flea market you know, and, and they'd be ready to spend. They'd come with their, with, with their dollars, get off the buses sometime, you know, and, and ready to, to buy their crafts. I imagine so. so now, yeah, it's all kind of different crafts. Now, I, I know that the government of Mississippi on a federal level is primarily conservative. Um, and I think for the most part, 
in fact, I'm, I, I'm almost, I'm almost sure on the local level, local and state yes. level, it is also conservative too, correct? Yes, yeah. correct. Okay, perfect. And then in terms of natural resources, the things that came to mind when I was doing my research on Mississippi were the vast amount of lumber that is available through the state of Mississippi as well as oil and gas. Are there any other major natural resources that's, that, that pronounce themselves to you? Lumber is, is a big one. Like yeah. uh, my my family has, owns some uh, some land in uh, Houston, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and um, they do like a, a thinning of, of trees every so often, and they get you know money for this. I don't understand how it all works because I never have I've kind of stayed out of the the business end of it all. It's never really interested in me, but I do know that they um, you know will will do a thinning of the tree and sell the the lumber or whatever because. Furniture is is a big thing in North Mississippi. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's a big industry actually. Yeah, as a, do they do they actually have craftsmen that are there that actually yeah. do it? Okay, yeah. uh-huh. very cool. Yeah. Now, in terms of education, this is where we get into a little bit of your uh, college that you've been to. But I mean, obviously, you know, I was really taken aback. I was really quite surprised about how old a lot of these colleges are. University yeah. of Mississippi back from 1848, Mississippi State from 1878, uh, Jackson State from 1877, and then of course. The one that you attended, Mississippi College, from 1826. I thought it was 1822, but I guess it's actually 1826. Yeah. That is just, these are really, really old colleges that have <laughs> a long, long history in the state of Mississippi. Yeah. Um, are there any other major ones that maybe I'm forgetting? Um, no, I mean, there's, uh, like I mentioned before, there's um, Southern uh, Mississippi. University, yeah, University of Southern Mississippi as well in Hattiesburg. Um, and, um, and then I went to, uh, Bellhaven college, which is a, a private Presbyterian college that's been yeah, around a while. There's quite a few private. Um, I don't remember exactly what year, uh, Bellhaven started. I know it's been around for a while. I know my, um, my mother went back to, to school. Um, let's see, it's been, it was founded in 1883. Okay. What's that, um, college across? Millsaps. Millsaps, yes. Millsaps is fairly famous. Bellhaven and Millsaps are kind of uh, rivals, just like Mississippi State and (laughs) and Ole Miss are. Uh, But yeah, Bellhaven's been around since like 1883. Um, And and so I went there for the uh, my four years of college, and then went to. I started at Ole Miss uh, for my graduate work, Um, but I was. uh, They were. having some accreditation issues or whatever with their, in their <laughs> education department or whatever. So I ended you got up, tired of cross-stitching. Well, <laughs> I was like cross-stitching, you know, 12 or 14 hours a day, going to class, taking four classes, had a 4.0 average, never saw the inside of the library. I don't, I don't even know where the library is. Um, so I ended up transferring to Mississippi College and forgot what cross-stitching was. And I lived in the library. Um, like on a day when I didn't go, my parents would say, well, did the library call and ask you where you were and, you know, tell you they were reserving your table. But, um, so yeah, I got, uh, my, my graduate degrees, um, at Mississippi college. Excellent. Now I know Laura, before we had, uh, recorded this, we talked a little bit about the literacy rate and it's not as high, obviously, as, as we would obviously love it to be. Um, I think it's around 84%. Uh, It's not as like here in Alabama, it's 85%. So, I mean, it's kind of right around 
ours, but you know. But we were we were equating that that might be in part because a lot of the resources from time to time seem to be funneled to a lot of the urban locations and leaves open a lot of these rural locations, which right. Mississippi is primarily a lot more rural. Right. So, so there's a higher poverty level and more rural and less resources. And so that kind of yeah. contributes to the, the lower literacy rate. And that's a vicious cycle on its own. Yeah. So that's a challenge. Now, in terms of safety and security, um, in, in terms of major crime issues or foreign or domestic terrorism, I don't think we've had any foreign terrorism activity that I'm ev- that I've ever been aware of. Yeah. Not that I can recall. Not, yeah, not that I can recall either. And then in terms of domestic terrorism, I mean, obviously we talked about the Ku Klux Klan uh, during the 1920s and, you know, in the South, the South has had a huge challenge with that over the course of many years. But in terms of like any specific major terrorism threats, no. Think there's anything that pops up that like no theater shootings or anything like that or no, I mean, no. and obviously with major cities like you don't want to be dumb you, you know you don't want to go out in a dark alley in the middle of the night because obviously that can be dangerous regardless of where, regardless of where you're at right so it just can be you know one of those things but it, but the history of it all is just you know basically be smart stay safe and you know you're gonna right. be fine for the most yeah. part yeah so all right. Well, let's do this uh, because I left that on such a, <laughs> a downward note there. Let's bring it back up for a second. Okay. So let's say I have a ticket to fly to Jackson, uh, for example, um, a round trip ticket in a minute or less. Why would I want to go to Mississippi? What's, what's in it for me? Why would I want to visit there? Well, it depends on where you would go. If you, if you went to Jackson, um, there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of good food options around there. It's a, you know, kind of becoming a little foodie, you know, um, place, you know, or I say Jackson, but you know, the, the vicinity of Jackson, mm-hmm. um, as with any city, you've got, you know, some good areas and bad areas, but, um, there's a lot of different cultures, you know, there's, you know, we've got several museums, um, you know, there's the school of the, uh, deaf and blind. Yeah. There's a do, ballet um, Magnificat. You yeah. know, you could go watch some, some, uh, ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, gambling. Yeah, and, and then gambling yeah, then in Tunica or, or Gamble or in um, in uh, Tunica. Yeah, but I'm thinking the oh. uh, Natchez. Oh yeah, yeah. You know Natchez, and then um, Vicksburg. You can also um, gamble, and in, in Vicksburg, it's only about a forty minute drive from jackson so there's a lot of neat stuff around vicksburg there's, there's a lot of neat um old antebellum homes in natchez oh, yeah. and in vicksburg the um vicksburg um military park or whatever is is there civil war park uh, yeah we we stayed at a bed and breakfast in natchez once and if you ever want to get a nice taste of old style Mississippi culture, go to Natchez, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Nice. Excellent. Well, first off, I would like to thank the both of you for doing this again with me, Chris. You guys are amazing. Um, before, Before we go into your channel, 
you want to show us your t-shirts that you guys are wearing? <laughs> so, so you guys have your own channel and that's see the world with Chris and with, well, there's see the world with Chris crew, which is the one that's on Facebook. Facebook. But yeah. if you go onto YouTube, it's see the world with Chris, which is your channel. Uh-huh. Correct. Yeah. And what kind of, what kind of things do you do on that channel? What kind of travel do you look at? So it's, it's mostly travel related and it has been mostly, you know, cruise type stuff other than, you know, some little, you know, things that I stuck up in the beginning, you know, whatnot. But um, I've had my account, YouTube account since 2009, Mm -hmm. eight, somewhere around in there. And um, so, um, yeah, it's just, I like to, I like to, you know, show where we've been and, you know, um, here in the last year or so, I you know really kind of started working toward trying to you know become better at editing and, and growing you know, the, channel, grow the channel and putting stuff together. But um, yeah, it's just this last year I've done a lot of travel in, in or we have <laughs> done a lot of travel in Mexico. We've been four times during the oh pandemic. wow yeah. Well, it's yeah. wonderful, and I'm 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 eager to see all of the videos and continue to <laughs> monitor your travels. It'll be fun. Again, Chris and Laura, thank you so much. The website is also at uh, seetheworldwithchris.com as well, in case people want to go see the website as well. So again, to the two of you, thank you so very much. Thank you. And I just started a TikTok too. See the world with Chris at TikTok. <laughs> well, we'll have to visit you there. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Now, for my students that are out there, if you have any questions or comments, let us know. We want to hear from you. You can send me a quick email at scott at theprofessortravel.com, and I'll be more than happy to respond to that. I'd love to get those emails, so continue to do that. If you're on YouTube right now and you like this content and you would like to see more of it, you know, let us know by giving us a like up, uh, you know, and, and that shares and lets us know that you appreciate that content. Uh, to be notified when new videos go up, Click that little bell icon right above us. And if you haven't already done so, please feel free to subscribe. We are more than happy to have you as part of the family and the community. Finally, if you're listening to us on uh, any type of a podcasting service, again, we welcome that. Uh, Please feel free to rate us, review us. And then until our next time, my name is Scott. I am the Professor Travel and make every day a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting the Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with the Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.